Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app. I'm David Haw from the Mullion Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune out at Hallis Hall after the first padded practice a lot of anticipation a lot of excitement dan how did it go what were your most obvious impressions and biggest takeaways yeah look like this is a a camp that has been slower to get going than we're used to mostly because of what the cba has done to football in july and august there's just a slower on-ramp for players for the intensity of practice what they're allowed to do to get in full pads today it's going to be much more intense on Wednesday when the Bears get back at it. But they were able to do some one-on-ones between the offensive linemen and the pass rushers. You're able to get a little bit more intensity and action in the 11-on-11 stuff. They did some more red zone work that had a little bit of contact. And so you're moving more and more closely to normal football. And hopefully we'll be there before long and and we'll get this thing rolling. Uh, You know, look, I, I think that this team as a whole is a work in progress. You certainly see that with the offense and the passing offense right now. Um, there, there, there's there's bright moments, there's some bumpy periods, and you say that's pretty much what it should look like at this time, knowing what we know about this team. Um, but look, David, I think we're, we're, we're there now. We're, we're, we're starting to ramp up the intensity on it. Matt Eberflus promised on Wednesday that it would be double uh, the volume of competitive reps in the team periods, and, and so that'll be give us a, a much bigger sample size to, to, to dissect. So we'll be here later in the week, too, dropping another episode after our practice impressions. You can find us on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The 670 The Score's YouTube page is where you can watch us. You want to review us. You want to subscribe. You want to do all those things and let us know what you think about the content we're providing. We're going to get to all of the uh, relevant things that have happened the first couple of days, maybe the first week of practices. We'll hear from Luke Getze today. We'll hear from Tyler Scott as well. Dan, but I think we want to start with the quarterback. And and I think that, obviously, this, to me, editorialized for a moment, I I think it's uh, somewhat predictable, the surge of excitement (laughs) over Justin Fields nationally. You see NFL Network was in town, you know, and I think the hype is going to be as big as you might expect, especially when one of the hosts is a Bears fan. You got Mike Greenberg on on Get Up uh, predicting that Justin Fields is going to be the next – NFL superstar quarterback, which I think is something that is you, you hear a lot from people outside of Chicago. Dan Orlovsky on the same network says that, you know, he expects an MVP caliber type of a season from Justin Fields. 
the hype is there, Dan. <laughs> I worry about the expectation level. We go through this on a daily basis, on a pod-by-pod basis, but I wonder what you think and what the Bears think, frankly, of these expectations becoming outsized even before the first padded practice. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because I think there's a deeper discussion to be had here. And I I will say that I had a conversation earlier in the week with someone inside the building who said that Justin is meeting the expectations of the people inside the building with his progressions, with the way he's going through things, with the way he's making improvements. That's all that really matters is they've set a bar from he's meeting that. Now, the bar that's set in the outside world is so far outside the realm of reality for the people that are operating inside the walls at 1920 football drive that it kind of blows people's minds it's like everyone has taken uh, a triple hit out of the helium tank and they're floating on air and nobody knows what to do with themselves and orlovsky's saying you know mvp level and i'm not sure what you said mike greenberg says superstar you know this year i i mean there are like eight stops between where Justin Fields ended 2022 and where MVP level quarterbacking in in the NFL is. So I don't know why we're trying to jump past all of them and skip all these checkpoints when there's so much more Justin has to prove. All right, let's start with this. Let's throw for 250 yards in two or three consecutive games. Let's set a modest goal there. Let's get to 10 career wins, you know, as an NFL quarterback before we start talking about MVP level production. The good news is the people inside the building here, Justin himself included in that in that list, are very grounded with where they are now and where they need to go and not getting caught up with a hype train that is, quite frankly, David, completely out of control right now. It's completely out of control right now. I, I think that's that's a good way to put it. And I'm glad you, you did provide a little context there, because I think the other the other thing that concerns me and it might be overstating it to say it's a concern, but I've noticed that because of how many people get carried away in the expectations and the superstardom and how you have to, you know, it's, it's that extreme when he is making maybe gradual progress or maybe has a bad day. And there have been a couple of them early on in practice. I think sometimes those are exaggerated too, almost because some of the people who you're hearing from observe this is like, oh, well, I thought he was supposed to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. Oh, he's not going to be a superstar. He can barely complete a pass down the field. And I think sometimes we get oh, we get too extreme in, in both directions. And you're right. What we have, I think, is, and I think we both agree here, a third-year quarterback with amazing potential but needs to do the little things uh, better and do simple better. And that that's where the Bears, I think, have done a nice job internally and at least projecting that from Luke Getze, from Matt Eberflux, even Ryan Poles, of, of not getting, not being part of this hype train. Yeah, right. And not being overly negative because he's not meeting expectations they didn't set for him. Right, exactly. got to be careful there, and they yeah. have been. That, that That's a huge deal. And we'll hear from Luke Getze again this week. We'll play a couple of clips of, of things he said last week on today's episode. But you, we talked all last year about how um, – refreshingly grounded Luke is on an every single day basis and how valuable that is to a quarterback like Justin who needs to understand what the day-to-day grind means to making the gradual improvement that is necessary to become the quarterback he ultimately wants to become but isn't yet and so that's going to be fun to kind of kind of watch Luke uh, describe it for us as we go one step at a time through this process and see where they go Justin had a a really rough practice on Monday I'll be honest with you as you, you watch it and you go clunky choppy ordinary at best, whatever you want to call it. You see things happening in seven on seven where you go, that that can't happen. Now, big picture, I would tell you that I haven't seen anything that has blown my mind from a spectacular standpoint. And I haven't seen anything that is so worrisome where I'm saying, you know, unplug, 
<laughs> all of the the Justin Fields uh, praise and, and and get rid of it because it's all false. It, Justin is progressing here, and he he's been uneven, and and he and he's made some really nice plays at times, and then followed with a period that's really shaky. And so you know you just have to to, to again go one step at a time, and it's the whole skipping eight steps thing that happens in the world today. That just it's crazy. I mean, David, you can go through Twitter any single night and find. Uh, you know, a clip of, of a play that Justin made in practice floating around social media and then have people interpreting it as he is the next Tom Brady. And, and, and it's it's wacky from that perspective, but there are a lot of things here that Justin's working on. And Luke has talked about some of those. Um, I'd like to start with kind of what, what Luke told us uh, before we got into padded practices when he was trying to um, basically assess where Justin was without the pads on and was asked a question last week about kind of his footwork and rhythm and what that looked like and whether that was better in year two in the system than he saw at the end of last year. And here was Luke with that quote. I think, yeah, naturally he would, he should, right? And he does. Um, and I expect it to be that way. I think it's just the, when I say that, I just, there's that element of uh, the pocket that has to move and change a lot more when there's a real rush. And so those are the, that's playing this position at the highest level when you're able to manipulate the pocket, not necessarily always scramble, but manipulate for an angle of a throw or anything like that. So that's what I'm more talking about. So, David, I, I think that's super notable because one of the things that we've talked about since last January is trying to see the progress that Justin is going to make and is making in a noisy pocket. How does he operate? How decisive is he? How can he kind of stay uh, within the rhythm and timing of the passing game when there is, as Luke called it, there a real rush? Now, we're not going to get a real, real rush until September. But now that the pads are on and they're going to start to amp up some of the intensity with the, with the defensive lineman rush against offensive linemen, there's going to be more clutter back there. There's going to be more traffic. There's going to be more noise. And so as we're gauging Justin's pocket poise and his ability to, to be calm and decisive from within there, this is going to be the next step of saying, okay, does it look better than it did a year ago? Does it look better than it did a week ago? And see where he goes from there. I think that's what underscores the importance of what they did in the offseason when you have a young quarterback kind of figuring out what he can and can get away with or how to recalibrate the, the clock in his head and when to get rid of the football and when to step up and when to step around and when to throw the ball in time on time. We're always talking about that. I think it helps to have veteran receivers who can make you know maybe a throw that might be a tick off look like a completion and that's why I think DJ Moore means so yeah. much to this quarterback and so the, the it's good to hear and to see and to you know that's the kind of hype you do like to see where boy Justin Fields and DJ Moore they're hanging out together they're finishing each other's sentences they have a chemistry that's really good fine because you know what that's a shared that's the shared responsibility, and that's a relationship worth developing. And I think it's one that will help Justin Fields progress at a more normal rate because he's got a veteran receiver this year he didn't have a year ago. I'll give you two highlights from Tuesday's practice that sort of showcase the the fields to more connection. The first one was early on in practice and, and DJ Moore ran a slant and was pretty well covered by Jalen Johnson and, and Justin Fields threw a fastball. Might have been a tick high, but a little bit above DJ's helmet and it's a difficult catch. And DJ absolute amazing grab with the hands, you know, just a, a hands catch above his helmet and in stride got into the clear. You know, and you hear the oohs and ahs from from the bleachers at Hellas Hall where you go, man, that's a big time play. That's a big league play that they weren't capable of making a year ago because they didn't have that type of uh, 
weaponry, right? And, and that type of firepower, both from the quarterback and the receiver. Then at the end of practice, at the end of a two-minute drill that was kind of bumping up and down, Justin gets out of the pocket, breaks the pocket, makes an off-script play. And at the end of it, appeared to me kind of like one of those Mahomes-like no-look throws to DJ Moore in the end zone and completes a two-minute end-of-half situational drill with a touchdown pass to DJ Moore. And you say, okay, that's that's a quarterback using his gifts when the play that was drawn up doesn't work out and his receiver knowing exactly where to be to make that happen in a scramble drill. So those are two things that, that are, are an absolutely undeniable uh, evidence to what this connection is. This connection is meaningful. It should be very significant to where the Bears passing offense goes in 2023. And hopefully we see little by little every single day more and more of that so that when you get into the regular season and the Bears are playing the Packers and it's the fourth quarter and it's third down and the Bears need to move to six, you know that Justin has that trust in DJ and he's going to go there with the ball and DJ is going to make it make it right and they're going to move the chains and they're going to go get done what needs to get done. One plus two equals six. That's the new Bears <laughs> math this year. You heard something else from Luke Getze that stood out to you for what reason? Well, look, like we, we've spent months talking about rhythm and timing, rhythm and timing, rhythm and timing. We're going to keep hearing that from the coaching staff. And really what Luke has sort of alluded to a, a handful of times is how Justin getting sort of that ballet like feel with his feet is going to help his clock, you know? And so it's all about kind of that, that whole synchronization of all the things that go into this. We talked last week about the Netflix documentary quarterback and understanding the complexity of the position. I thought this was a, a, a nuanced little description of what a quarterback has to understand as he's going through his reads against the defense that's coming to take his head off. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a critical part of playing the position. I think is is that uh, you know your feet take you through your progression and your timing. And so if your feet are telling you it's time to move on to the next guy, then it's time to move on to the next guy. And then if he's open, then you got to throw it to that guy and, and and continue through your progression. And then when things break down and you can't stay in that rhythm, that's when you know the best become the best. You know, and so I think that's just a different part of the game. But but the other part is super important too. I don't think Kirk Cousins could have put that any better on quarterback on Netflix. Right. right you know, and, and like, like I made a suggestion on Twitter uh, last week that, that that series needs to get a QB2 somewhere along the lines because that, that whole lifestyle is a different thing. But I could listen to Luke talk about this stuff all day long because it is very to the point. It is very specific. It is very detailed. It helps you understand what goes on in these situations. Look, David, I saw in a seven-on-seven seven session today – uh, multiple times where, where, where Justin's just double clutching. He's holding them, he's holding them, and you're like, this is seven on seven. This is target practice. It's got to be boom, 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 balls out. And there was one particular rep where the ball never came out of his hands. And in seven on seven, that's like the, the, the cardinal sin. You know what I mean? Either either you get through your reps and, and you take a chance and you fire it somewhere or you put it, you know, and this was a red zone seven on seven session. You put it through the goalposts and you just say, I'll live to f- fight another day. But to, after 11 seconds back there still have patting the ball and holding it it, that can't happen and so these are the things where the footwork and the timing and the rhythm they all have to to kind of work together and move in the right direction hey everyone this is brett boone would you know it i've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year tune in as i sit down with my friends some of the biggest names in sports media entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations as you know baseball's been my life it's been in the family for a long time but it's a lot more than that here it's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track join me every week for multiple episodes on the brett boone podcast available on the odyssey app wherever you get your podcasts 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Let's keep it on offense, move away from Justin Fields a little bit, but as long as we're talking receivers, Darnell Mooney shows very few signs of being a guy that hasn't played since last November. Chase Claypool, from a lot of uh, people's reports, the eye, is passing the eye test early on, but I think Tyler Scott is capturing a lot of people's imagination, Dan. In order, those three guys, they give the Bears, along with DJ Moore, you know, four receivers that, that look pretty good early on and creating a little bit of a buzz. So with Mooney, I, I told you for months that I wanted to, to see it with my own eyes. Well, I've seen it with my own eyes now. We're, we're six practices in. Darnell isn't doing everything yet that the Bears want him to do. He's not doing a, a ton of 11-on-11 full speed work. But when he's in this one-on-one drills, when he's in seven-on-seven, when he's making his breaks, you see no hesitation. You see no lack of quickness. You see no lack of burst. And so it, it's there. Darnell Mooney, in my mind, is back, and the individualized plan they have to bring him back uh, physically on their schedule is fine with me. Like, because it looks it looks the way it's supposed to look right now, and this isn't you know like Tariq Cohen hobbling out to practice, and you go, oh god, there's there's something there's something bad here. There's a, you know there's a lot of things you can pick up on yep. in these settings, and right now there's nothing with Darnell Mooney that says, uh oh, uh, scratch your head and worry a little bit. Claypool physically, you know, you see, you see the connection coming together a little bit with Justin physically, we know what he is as a big, strong, fast, athletic guy who can do a lot of things that the questions with Chase Claypool are how he rides the roller coaster, you know? And so the biggest questions that we'll need to answer on Chase Claypool won't come until the regular season starts. And there's some ups, some downs, some games where he has, you know, 90 plus yards, some games where he has 20, you know, 20 yards or below and how he handles the losing and the the failure and the success and the, the bumps and all those things we'll see there. And then Tyler Scott, you talk about a guy that's been a lot of fun to talk to because there's a maturity within him as a rookie in which his willingness to acknowledge all the things that he needs to refine and get better on are, it, it's really refreshing and it's, it's really sophisticated. Like he can have some very detailed conversations about, I know what I need to know. I just need to apply it now. You know, like, I, you know, I come out of an offense at Cincinnati where it was pretty basic. We lined up, we ran our routes, got the signals from the sideline and, and did it. Well, now I'm in, a, in a, a more complex system that has motions and shifts and alignment responsibilities that I've got to get up to speed with. And Oh, by the way, I, I'm very aware that my elite trait is my speed, but now it's a different ball game using my speed against NFL defensive backs who understand that my number one weapon is my speed. And so um, there was a, uh, a, a, an exchange on, on Monday after practice where, where Tyler Scott talked about the sophistication of route running at the NFL level and how he's working to get up to speed with that, in particular against Jalen Johnson. Here's what uh, some of what Tyler had to say on Monday. I think I've noticed coming from college to the NFL uh, is the biggest difference is not necessarily, um, I wouldn't say necessarily the speed of the game, not as much as I thought it would be um, so far at least, but I would say the knowledge of the players that you're going against for sure. Um, I remember my first rep against uh, Jalen Johnson when he came back um, at OTAs and uh, my very first rep, he was on top of it. like He ran it for me. And at that point, I was like, man, this, 
and I mean, this guy's been here for, you know, three, four years. And so I'm like, man, this dude, you know, he just kind of gave me a taste of what, you know, really a high level caliber cornerback, um, you know, kind of how they, you know, dissect the game and how they're just one step ahead. And so um, that's pretty much the biggest difference, you know, so I'm just trying to figure out now, how do I use my speed? How do I threaten guys with that? And so um, just using like run plays or, you know, things of that nature, just to kind of threaten guys and make them feel, you know, what I'm about, you know, so that then gets guys off of me. So then I can kind of play around with them, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a physical game, you know, also, you know, being fast and things of that nature, but it's also a mind game as well. You know, that was something I heard on Football Night in Chicago on Monday night, Dan, and, and it came to mind real quickly, like, this is a guy who not only runs fast, he thinks fast. Yeah. And his brain keeps up with his feet, and you can almost envision him being a pretty good route runner. You know that he's got speed to kill. And and the more that he spoke, and you're around there more often, but the more that he spoke, I, I wondered if the comparison fourth-round draft pick, so – Mooney was a fifth round draft pick when Darnell Mooney came into the league. He sounded like he was a consummate professional already. He was there from the shoulders up and then the rest came into place. He reminds me of hearing him how Darnell Mooney sounded as a rookie and, and helped him assimilate very quickly. Not saying that, you know, uh, Tyler Scott's going to be a thousand yard receiver. I just mean that he may make a quicker adjustment because he seems to have a good grasp of what it takes mentally to make the transition. Yeah, and that, that allows you to be coachable. And it's that combination. The comparison is apt to me because you, you have that combination of, of not only hunger, but the willingness to understand what the approach is to channel that hunger into getting better. And right. so th those two things with, with Mooney and Scott are very similar. And, and, and you hear the people around them speaking about them in similar terms. I was kind of in the wait-and-see approach with, with Mooney as a rookie because – newsflash I got burned with Anthony Miller right like I thought Anthony, <laughs> I thought Anthony Miller yeah. was going to be something he wasn't and so right. then when people start praising Darnell Mooney you're like okay well I, like I need to see production and then he produced you know and then he had a thousand yard season his second year and and all of a sudden became a big part of the Bears offense I think Tyler Scott's got a chance here and I think that the, the Bears coaches realize that he's got a chance here and because he is so receptive and so engaged and has so many natural traits from the speed to the toughness to the the, the cerebral uh, ability to approach the game, it, it gives them the excitement on a daily basis to come in and work with them. And then it just becomes that snowball, you know, and so we'll see where it goes. So today, David, on Tuesday, um, one of the, the reps that you'll be able to find easily on social media is a 48 yard completion from Justin Field to Tyler Scott. And if you get the right angle on it, Tyler Scott's lined up against Greg Stroman and just the inside leverage release he uses. And then to turn on the speed as soon as he gets an inch of separation and then turns it into four yards. It's truly impressive to watch. Now, Justin's throwing from a bit of a noisy pocket, kind of leaning back and underthrows it a little bit, but it's a big connection made in big part because the margin of error was big because of what Tyler Scott was able to do with that top end speed and, and really flustering a defensive back that couldn't recover in time. And there again, you don't have to be perfect when you have receivers who help you make plays and, and maybe catch things that are just in the vicinity just because of their ability to separate and get open. That's a that's a great example. So moving from wide receivers to the offensive line, I think this is what a lot of people were waiting for when you say they're putting on the pads, the first <laughs> practice with pads. Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright is the guy I think a lot of people were curious. The first-round draft pick, the day-one starter, he, the Bears have not messed around, and I give them credit for that. We take that for granted, but they could have made him earn the job or do this or that. He reported in shape. He now is going to be 
you know, ideally the guy at right tackle, what did he look like from day one? What have been your early impressions of Darnell Wright? I mean, look, like uh, this guy is not just big, he's huge. You know, he's not just strong, he's powerful. He's not just athletic, he's really nimble. And when you have those combination of traits as an offensive lineman playing right tackle, it gives you a chance to do some special things. Every single day out here, David, someone from the coaching staff or from the offensive huddle um, – drops a, a another sort of waterfall of praise on who Darnell Wright is as a player and what it means. I had a one-on-one discussion with, with Cole Komet earlier this afternoon, and he was just generally talking about the belief of the offense and where it is in comparison to last year and, and unsolicited brought up Darnell Wright's name as, as somebody who just every single day brings confidence to that unit because of how steady and sturdy he is over there at the tackle position and and the way he does things. Then you hear from Braxton Jones and Tevin Jenkins today, two of his mates on the offensive line, talking about just the the elite athleticism. And and Tevin Jenkins said that this is echoing some of the sentiments that Ryan Poles had during the spring. Darnell Wright's ability to win when he's wrong is truly impressive, right? Like out of, out of position makes a mistake and then is so physically gifted that he can still win that rep. And Tevin Jenkins called it today mind blowing. Those were his words that it was mind blowing. He's never seen anything like it in his career where a guy can be a little bit out of sorts and then the guy's coming at him at a bull bull rush and he can just steady himself, anchor and stone stonewall the bull rush. And so you hear these things and then you watch it with your own eyes and you go, man, yeah, this is this is a gifted young man with a ton of potential playing a very important position here that, that gives the Bears offense a chance to go to a new level. We've spent months talking about what DJ Moore will mean for Justin Fields. Well, what happens when Darnell Wright gives your starting quarterback that level of comfort and security back there? A year ago, we were marveling at the progress and the surprise that Braxton Jones provided and, and showed in early camp. And I think that a year later, how would you compare and contrast, number one, the impact and impressions those two tackles made early on relative to, you know, their first training camp. And then secondly, how does Braxton Jones look this year? Yeah. I I mean, like, like, I mean, Braxton Jones will even say this about Darnell Wright. Like I was a day three, you know, late day three pick and this guy was picked in the top 10. And there's a reason for that because he has physical gifts that are, are rare. You know, and so then you combine that with the ability to kind of get better and and take coaching and and be, uh, you know, grinded to to a way where you can be an elite contributor. It's impressive. Braxton Jones again. We heard from him on Tuesday, David, and was was um, candid with his self assessments of himself. He feels like he's getting better against the bull rush, but still is is very. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but self-critical, I guess, is the best word for it, of, of, of how he's using his hands right now and seems to be very flustered that he's not getting everything out of himself that he knows he should be getting. At the same time, you think you see the improvement, and I think you understand the maturity of a guy who understands that it's not enough to be a day three pick winning a starting job now. Now it's about being a standout left tackle for a football team that's trying to go from 32nd in the NFL to hopefully being one of the 14 that play in the playoffs, you know, and so there are responsibilities with that. And there are things that come with that and challenges that have to be met. Uh, He's ready to meet them. Now it's all about let's, let's see, you know, look like these guys right now, David are going up against the pass rush that doesn't have a lot of teeth to begin with. And so when they win on reps, you go, okay, well, what's that going to look like against some of the elite guys in the league? Right. That remains to be seen. Darnell Wright trained uh, as he pointed out himself for the wide receiver conditioning <laughs> test, which was a funny little anecdote heading into camp. And and certainly you see, you hear the raves about the condition he's in. 
have the Bears taken advantage of that? Will they install a tackle eligible play to see if if Darnell Wright can provide some separation in the red zone? Only if Ryan Poles decides to get back on the phone with uh, Matt Nagy from their Chiefs days and borrow, <laughs> yeah. borrow, borrow, borrow some of the trickery out of there and, and we'll have a, a funnily named play, Oompa Loompa 3 or whatever, yeah. you know, the sequel, whatever we want to call it. Those are the um, days. But look, like who knows? You know, he is athletic enough and, and if you're going to train for the receiver conditioning test, you may as well try to run a route at some point in your rookie season. Uh, the Bears have to figure out how to score touchdowns the conventional way first, but then hopefully that unlocks the ability to get creative. Let's move just to the defense. Some impressions of the pass rush you spoke of. Demarcus Walker, a little bit banged up at practice on Tuesday. I understand also uh, Javon Dexter made a good first impression. What were your overall the things about maybe the, the defensive front of the Bears, which has been talked about a lot, that stood out to you early. Well, look, like you can see the appeal of Javon Dexter. The, the just it's just it's just raw physicality. The dude is huge. He's explosive, and it's just something that you can't create in a lab. And and so now you got to figure out a way to to, to get um, the football instincts and the football knowledge to match up with what's there physically. And they're going to have to to continue to to push that along. I think they like both these rookie defensive tackles, versatility, the ability to be able to play nose, ability to be able to play three technique, and then try to squeeze the most out of those guys in, in situational roles, at, at least early on. Um, Dexter's a guy I want to see more of through camp because in some of these one-on-one drills, like he'll win the one-on-one, but you say if that was a five-on-five, there's somebody else there to clean him up, you know, because there's just less space to operate, and we'll we'll see where that goes. Uh, the pass rush as a whole, Bigsy wrote it. Our our friend Brad Biggs wrote for the Chicago Tribune that these next seven to ten days with the Bears going through a whole series of padded practices will tell Ryan Poles what his urgency level needs to be in having discussions in the outside world about potential pass rushes. Well, guess what? The urgency of those discussions might go up more if Demarcus Walker is unable to return to the practice field in timely fashion. He left practice today. We were unable to get an update from Matt Eberflus, who's um, taken the John Fox card and and decided that we're not going to talk about injury specifics or injury timelines unless they become long-term things. And so there were a handful of guys today either who didn't start practice and didn't practice at all or left practice. Uh, DeMarcus Walker and Jack Sanborn were the two that left practice. Nate Davis was among the guys who didn't even participate at all in practice, which to me is one that you keep an eye on because he missed two weeks of OTAs. And if, if you want to uh, try to just keep track of a guy's practice habits, that's certainly one that, that has to be uh, kept on the radar until uh, it's not deserving of being on the radar. Roshan Johnson and Kari Blassen game, the other two guys who missed practice without an explanation. That's the thing about training camp. Let's go back to defense, Dan. A year ago, Dominic Robinson was making an impression because he was a former wide receiver, former quarterback, and his story was well told. In the offseason, he worked with Colts uh, former pass rusher Robert Mathis, who I think is probably a good guy to learn from. Dominic Robinson said, the other day that when he played offense in Miami of Ohio, it seems like a very long time ago. And now that it, it was in his world, the way his body has changed, maybe the way he sees the game, any noticeable difference with him and what are reasonable expectations for Dominic Robinson? Look, I, I, I'm, I don't know, you know, because it was uh, an early flash in the season opener last year. And then 17 weeks where there wasn't any, real pass rush production at all. And so um, this is another guy with traits 
you know, it's another guy with potential, but eventually you got to, to, to unlock that potential. And that's up to the coaches to, to bring the most out of them. I, there's just a lot more I need to see from Robinson. There's a lot more I need to see from Travis Gibson who's a guy that I believe has the potential to get back on the escalator that he seemed to be on two years ago before that escalator came to a <laughs> screeching halt a year ago. And so somewhere along the lines, you have to find some of these guys that outperform their draft status, you know, and, and become starters and second contract guys for you and guys that can become part of your core. Uh, hopefully at least one of those two guys checks that box. Uh, if not, now you're shopping, you're shopping, you're shopping, you're using the draft, you're using free agency and, and you're constantly looking to the future when hopefully uh, you have an opportunity to, 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 to squeeze something out of the now. Great story in Sunday Chicago Tribune by our colleague Colleen Kane on Tremaine Edmonds. The middle linebacker comes over from the Bills. A lot of great stuff about his background and playing with his brothers and getting Bob Babich's in input because he coached Brian Urlacher, presented Brian Urlacher at the Hall of Fame, and now he's a former position coach for Tremaine Edmonds as well. How seamless has that transition been in terms of just the leadership uh, that he's taken over because I think on the field, we're going to have to wait and see everything yeah. about Edmonds and this defense and the takeaways, you know, his length speaks for itself. His physicality goes without saying, but I just wonder what you have noticed from him and, and what, um, what he is like to kind of be around and observe. Well, his arrival is not to the Khalil Mack level of instant energy that we saw in 2018 when Mac got here. But there is the reason I bring that name up is, is as a compliment because there has been sort of an infectious gravitation of, of the guys on the defense to the tone that Jermaine Edmonds sets. Two totally different players, two different positions, all those things said. Jermaine Edmonds got very comfortable very quickly in letting his voice be heard here. And so this is a guy that's been in leadership positions throughout his life. Uh, he's always been young, <laughs> you know, a, a young guy for the stages he's been at in his career. And, and he just has a natural command of the people around him. That's not to be taken for granted. That's very valuable, particularly when you're at a stage like the Bears are in right now. So let's move to the back four or the back you know, six. This is secondary because there are a lot of guys making some impressions early on. Couldn't get past the, 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 your your take and your opinion you put on social media and some others. Jaquan Brisker, who also drew the, the praise oh. of, of uh, Matt Eberflus, I believe. I, I think this is somebody who is, is – if he can stay on the field, I know last year he had the issues with the concussion, but I do think if he can stay in the field, he can be the best player in that secondary because of all his uh, just versatility. But I, I like what you see early on from a Jaquan Brisker, and it sounds like he picked up where he left off as a rookie. Two-minute situation, end of practice today. Broke on a pass from P.J. Walker to Darius Fountain. I know that'll let you know that it's one defense <laughs> one defense versus two offense in that situation, but made a great interception near the sideline. And the defense was pumped about the interception that Brisker made. I think the one thing that I've seen through six practices is, is as you mentioned, a continuation of what we learned about Jaquan Brisker a year ago. It's just that the passion is there every single day and every single snap of every single day. And, and Matt Eberflus talked today about um, the ongoing process of teaching Brisker how to, how to channel that passion in the right direction and saying also that, that he is channeling it properly. And that's a great sign for the bears because when you have a guy that overflows with that type of passion and then it can, it can result in playmaking ability on top of it. Now you've got one of those things that jump starts and gets a defense that that's looking, 
looking to go from, um, you know, bad to pretty good to nasty, you know, and, and, and Brisker brings some of that nastiness that, it, I mean, this city loves, you know, you know, those guys, right. And, oh, yeah. and ho- hopefully it continues uh, through the duration of 2023. And it looked like, I think Brisker's also been um, very, uh, you know, honest in saying that when he suffered that concussion in Atlanta last year and was basically by himself in the dark for a few weeks, it, it, it threw him off his groove. It threw him out of his routine. And he really struggled to get back up from that down the stretch of last season. Now he feels like he's back in the clear. The only thing I worry about with Jaquan Brisker is, again, you have a concussion history and you play the way he does. Ugh, you know, now now you've got to figure out a way to, to, to make sure that doesn't become a recurring issue. But beyond that, the guy's love for football, his instincts, his want to learn. And then again, that passion, it's, it's off the charts. Last couple of things. So I, I always find it interesting that the Bears lost 14 games last year. Historically bad season, as we are want to say. And they come into the, the next training camp, the very next preseason and they don't really have many positional battles. They, they have a depth chart that is pretty secure. You don't have a lot of guys fighting for spots, but one such spot is in the secondary. And I think it's the outside corner opposite Jalen Johnson. And it's, it's taken shape a pretty good battle, it seems. Terrell Smith, the uh, late-round draft pick from Minnesota, has stepped up, and he, had, he looks the part. Meanwhile, Tyreek Stevenson also does, a second-rounder from Miami, who they value and everybody knows because that's where they drafted him. Dan, I don't know if it has to be either or week one. It might be something that evolves. They're going to rely eventually on both guys. But is that one of the more fun battles ensuing in training camp? And what are your impressions of each rookie? It's not only one of the more fun battles in training camp. It's one of the only battles in training camp, to be honest. You got running back and maybe one or two others. But these two guys are are, are acclimating quickly. Tariq Stevenson, to me, has a little bit of a, an inside track here, although you hear the praise from Matt Eberflus about Smitty, Terrell Smith, on a regular basis that, that leads you to believe that the coach really likes a lot of things that he does instinctively. Tariq Stevenson, to me, has a combination of instincts and confidence that remind me of Eddie Jackson as a rookie, as a guy who, who comes out of a, a, you know, a big time program. He was at Georgia before he went to Miami and believes in himself and understands that like this league isn't too big for me. And I've got all the physical traits to succeed in this league. And now I just got to get better. I got to use uh, practice time against established veterans to get myself better. And ultimately I- I'm going to emerge. And you remember it was, you know, October of Eddie Jackson's rookie season when he had those two touchdowns against the Panthers at Soldier Field. And all of a sudden it was like, Eddie's here the next year. He's a, he's an all pro, you know? And so you, you've got that combination there of, of, again, the, the, the confidence and, and the understanding of where he's at now and, and the willingness to climb that staircase that, that, that should give him potential to be a, difference-making starter in this defense. We'll see where this goes. Look like we've got preseason game action now less than two weeks away. We'll get three consecutive Saturdays where I'm sure the Bears want to test both of these guys against NFL competition. We'll get those crossover practices in Indianapolis. And by the time we get to the last week in August, you know, this competition will probably be a little clearer uh, and we'll be able to talk uh, with a little more clarity about where it stands. Last thing I want to touch on, make sure we didn't overlook it just because of the schedule of our podcast. But Jalen Johnson spoke late last week in a way that I think we have to bring attention to. You know, I, I know that you were, uh, I think, impressed by the way he handled himself, what he had to say entering the final year of his contract, um, facing a lot of the questions after Cole Komet signed the extension worth $32.8 million guaranteed. And Jalen Johnson did not attend OTAs. And, and, you know, when he didn't and he has said what he said, 
I think, you know, guys like me were somewhat critical of just, you know, putting himself ahead of the team and asked some questions that I think were valid at the time. By the same token, you have to be fair. He handled himself like a pro, his first kind of opportunity to, to get behind the microphone and, and state his case. And I love what he had to say in terms of, I haven't really proven yet that I deserve that contract. I'm going to go out with that attitude. And he and explained why he may not have gotten the takeaways like maybe Trevon Diggs in <laughs> Dallas has, and he got paid for it. But I thought I was very impressed by Jalen Johnson's approach and his professionalism handling himself in the way that if you're a Bears fan, if you're a Bears coach, that's exactly what you want to hear from one of your best defensive players. When when Jalen missed those couple weeks of OTAs, I think it was natural to sort of attach contract discontent to his absence. And I don't necessarily think it was to the level that the outside world perceived it was. I think Jalen wanted to have some time with his daughter. I think he wanted to be away from football for a little bit. And then he was going to come in and work as soon as he got back. I think he's been very candid and honest with his self-assessment. I think he obviously has a a high level of self-confidence and believes that no matter what happens with his contract, he's going to go out and put the best foot forward and try to prove what he's worth, which is ultimately what you do in these situations. But at the same time, as you mentioned, like Trevon Diggs, was taking one pick after Jalen Johnson. I remember asking Ryan Pace on draft night, look, you had two of those guys staring you in the face and you went with Jalen over Trayvon Diggs. What was it? And, and, and going through that. Well, now this guy's gotten paid and he's got 17 career interceptions through three years and you as Jalen Johnson have one interception and you're grounded enough to understand that, okay, I haven't done the things uh, and accomplish the things and put the things on my resume that get these big dollar contracts paid. And so I have to own that. And I have to go and change that if I want to be paid big money. He was also asked, you know, to compare his situation to Roquan Smith's situation a year ago. And he had a similar answer where it was just like, you know, that, that's Roquan Smith. The, the, the dude was an established standout star in, in the league. And, and I'm still trying to kind of earn that respect from the outside world, even though I believe in my heart of hearts that I'm a standout Uh, you know, top tier cornerback in this league. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes. I think Jalen has been very clear. He would love a contract extension before the season starts. If he doesn't get it, he's not going to be bitter. He's not, his feelings aren't going to be hurt. He's going to go out and try to, to prove to Ryan Poles and and Matty Berflus and Alan Williams and anyone else who has a voice in this conversation that he's worthy of being here for the long haul at a price that feels good to him. And if not, you know, next March awaits and he can go to the open market if so desired and, and figure out what he's ultimately worth. You remember Kyle Fuller had kind of an up and down start to his career. And I think ultimately the the bears stamped him with the transition tag, allowed the Packers to, to, to negotiate his contract for him and then came back on the deal that the Packers negotiated because the bears had the the, the right to match that. I'm not saying that's the, the path ahead for Jalen Johnson, but he certainly understands that there's more to show and more to prove. And look, like he owns the fact that that the style of cornerback that he plays doesn't necessarily cater to getting a ton of interceptions. Well, guess what? You play for a coach who who has an acronym that says T, take the ball away. Well, now you've got to adapt. And he said, look, like I've got to adapt. I've got to understand that just locking a guy down isn't enough for my own selfish wishes or for the wishes of my head coach who wants a defense that takes the ball away on a regular basis. So now he's got to make some adaptations to his game to try to get those interceptions uh, to pile up. There's only one in his career. It was off of Joe Burrow, <laughs> you know, in 2021, and there hasn't been one since, and there hadn't been one before. So that, that, that column has to fill up before we start talking about a Brinks truck pulling up here. It was good recognition by him, and I think he's an easy guy to root for in a defense. I think he can definitely be 
one of their best players. All right, we've covered the offense. We've covered the defense. We've covered it all that we're going to cover today. Dan, more practice going on all week at Hallis Hall. We'll be back later. And anything else we forgot this time? Yeah, no, you know, another padded practice on Wednesday. Then they'll get a day off on Thursday. Come back Friday and Saturday. And then Family Fest, David, oh, Sunday yeah. at Soldier Field. I know you've got your Sunday carved out for a day by the lake watching the, the Bears practice at Soldier Field. Can't wait for that. And we will be back on Thursday morning with another episode of the Take to the North podcast. You can get us on your free Odyssey app. You can download uh, us or watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page. And you can keep track of the preseason right here. We'll have everything for you as it develops. For Adam Studzinski, our ace producer. For Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. I'm David Haw from the Mullen Haw Show. We will talk to you next time on the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.